I'm your host, Josh Michaels. And I'm Ryan Little. Ryan is a little incapacitated today. He had major oral surgery, which is also the, name of, I mean. <laughs> also the name of a sex tape. Folks, I'm going to be candid with you. We do not have a full episode today. Mm-mm. Not the usual lovely banter that you've uh, come to expect. However, we do have an interesting guest. Our good friend, Koi prosecutor, Justin Kohler, who you heard chime in with us during our interview with Senator Mike Gravel last week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Talk about some neighbor island criminal justice issues and basically the state of our world being on fire right now, which listeners, I don't have to tell you that, you know it, but more importantly, Saturday morning, June 1st, we stand on the precipice of greatness, of greatness, of glory, of triumph, of shame, heartbreak, and humiliation as well. The Champions League final is about to kick off. We decided to do this little intro before. Because Josh is going to be a bitch if Liverpool loses. That's misogynistic and unfair and 100% correct the fair right that's it that's well said good okay. analysis thank you the folks one thing is for certain whatever happens in the next two hours nothing will ever be the same aloha yeah. we often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation but is a perfectly good word it means foreign introduced a foreign origin or foreign introduction so in Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us today a man who needs no introduction. Uh, you know him, you love him, unless you've probably been prosecuted by him. He is the prosecuting attorney for the county of Kauai. His name is Justin Kohler. And we are delighted to have him with us today. Justin, hello, my friend. And he's a Richardson grad. And he's a Richardson grad. Richardson, that's the William S. Richardson. No, no, no. No, no. I am not a Richardson grad. Josh, don't. I was misinformed. Why I are apologize. you lying to me, bro? I, I apologize. He's not, a, he's not a Richardson grad, but we so still like University him. University Law School, Boston University undergrad. I was uh, Wait, educated. You, where was your law school? Suffolk. Suffolk University Never Law heard of School. It. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Are you like an extra from The Departed or something? <laughs> the, we call it The Departed. The, the Departed, Departed, yeah. yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Justin is our esteemed guest for the day, and we are just absolutely thrilled to have him on. Justin, how the hell are you? Uh, I'm excited to be here. I mean, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day on Kauai. It's, uh, 
a little bit muggy, but that's okay. Just sitting here drinking, drinking my tea, trying to get over this uh, sore throat that's been going around. But uh, I'm I'm happy. Uh, Happy to be here finally on the pod. Well, not a bad Sunday. Yeah. We're happy to have you, Justin. So I, I guess first and foremost, um, again, we, we mentioned it briefly a minute ago, but you're you're a great follow on Twitter. You constantly have uh, good takes on things. Uh, I do my best. Well, <laughs> that's all we're doing. God's working on all of us. Tell tell our listeners, you know, the Holly guy is a prosecutor for Kauai. Doesn't always not the most natural fit story. How'd you get there? Well, I moved to uh, Oahu in 2006 um, to work as a law clerk to Judge Dan Foley on the state of Hawaii's sure. Intermediate Court of Appeals. Uh, Dan Foley, a, a great man, a mentor to me. Uh, you know, he was plaintiff's counsel in Bear v. Lewin, yep. uh, the yeah. that, that put Hawaii on the map uh, in terms of gay marriage. Old school. Worked for a couple of years for him, and he came into my cubicle area one day and said, hey, they're looking for deputy prosecutors on Kauai. It'd be a great chance to get courtroom experience, establish yourself in a small community and and give yourself an opportunity to do something fun and also meaningful to the community. So uh, I applied. Uh, I was lucky enough to get the job over here in uh, February of 2008, moved over here and uh, the rest is history. Um, worked in the office for, for about a year and a half under uh, the previous uh, prosecutor administration and uh, looked around in the middle of 2009 and said, you know, I, I think I can really uh, raise the level of service that this office provides to the community um, and decided I was going to run for the office. You know, my, my rationale at that point was I know I'm the new guy. I knew I know what the, the, the obstacles are. I know what the challenges are. But I've always wanted to to, you know, I love this work. I love this community and, and I want to do everything I can to um, to to fix this office. And so I, you know, I put myself out there and I worked for, uh, you know, two and a half years building a campaign and uh, earning the trust and respect of the community. And, uh, you know, it worked out to to my benefit and uh, hopefully to the community's benefit. So, um, you know, it's not a path I would have projected for myself when I graduated from law school sure. in, in 2004. But it's been the, the greatest experience of my life being able to serve this community and, and raise a family here. Um, it's it's been a real uh, it's been a wonderful ride so far, and I'm just looking to keep it going. So you said that you worked to build a campaign for two and a half years. Are are you saying that you campaigned for two and a half years, or that you laid two and a half years of groundwork? Well, it, it was um, it kind of merged at some point, but yeah, we we campaigned for about two and a half years. We started probably in the middle of 2009, uh, then through 2010, 2011 and yeah, into 2012 when we finally got elected. So it, it was a process. Wow. I mean, um, and it involved, uh, you know, Kauai is a small community, uh, which is a nice thing because you can get out and meet the 11,000 voters you sure. need to support mm -hmm. you. And, and if you knock on enough doors and you, and you go to enough events and you, you walk the communities, and so that's what we did. You know, we had a, a core group of people who were very uh, vocal and, um, you know, fortunately, my predecessor, uh, you know, kind of kind of helped us out in a lot of ways with uh, some of the media attention that the office was uh, getting at the time. And so the community took a look at me and said, hey, let's let's take a chance on this guy. So and I've been you grateful were for you were uh, 
basically the the prior prosecutor was the incumbent was basically helping you. Is that is that correct? Well, she she wasn't intending to help me, oh. but make make no mistake about that. But were um, you running against her? Yes. Oh. oh, so you ran against an incumbent. You were like, "Hey, boss, thanks for the thanks After. for the opportunity. Let me." Uh... Well, it wasn't quite. It, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. But yeah, the incumbent. Um, you know, I, I sensed in the community that the community was not satisfied with the job that the incumbent was doing. And I looked around and I said, is anybody going to step up to the plate and and take on this challenge of running against this established incumbent? And I didn't see anybody. And I said, well, I've got nothing to lose. If I, wow. if I, if I take my shot, if I shoot my shot and I miss, then I, you know, I can move back to Oahu maybe or, or move back to the mainland. But um, I, I felt very strongly about the situation and a lot of other people felt strongly about the situation. So, you know, when, when general election day came and, uh, you know, November of 2012, you know, the final result wasn't even close. Wow. That's so, wow. How old were you whenever you won the election to be prosecutor? I was 39 years old. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, you had yeah. to have been one of the youngest prosecutors in the country, I'd assume. Well, oddly enough, I'm not even the youngest person to win the, the office on Kauai because wow. when Craig DaCosta was became the prosecutor in 2004. I think he was 36 or 37 at the time. So, um, you know, historically, it's just uh, a, a race that kind of flew under a lot of people's uh, radar screens, I think. But in 2012, there was, you know, for whatever reason, there was a lot of uh, scrutiny, a lot of attention to what was going on in the office. So our, our our campaign was really able to capitalize on that and and build it into a successful uh, coalition here on Kauai. And we, you know, in a lot of ways, we kind of, we kind of broke the rules because, you know, being a newcomer, being yeah. uh, a white guy, um, running against a, an established local person, you know, a lot of people told me I was crazy for doing that. And that, you know, we had no chance of succeeding. I and still, I said, I still think you're crazy, but I, respe yeah. but I respect it. <laughs> I, I might, I might be, but I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I mean, I love my work. I love the people that I get to work with and I love the community that I get to serve. And, you know, if I, part of what I think my kuleana is, is to go out and encourage other people who think they could never get elected and say to them, listen, if I can do it, you can do it. And so, you know, I've made it my mission here on Kauai to, to encourage a new generation of people to get out and realize that, yeah, if you get out and do the work and, um, you know, show people who you are, you can do this. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, to flip the script a little bit on, on uh, establishment politics in Hawaii. We need that. We sure do need that. Uh, so a phrase, a phrase you used that I noticed, uh, I believe the phrase you used was uh, scrutiny and attention on the office. And just speaking for all neighbor island prosecutors, you guys must be enjoying uh, this little extra chance to fly below the radar thanks to what's going on downtown here, right? Well, you know, it's a really it's a, it is a really sad situation what's going on over there. And, um, you know, I've I've got nothing against Keith Ganeshiro. I've I've worked with him as part of the Hawaii Prosecuting Attorneys Association. Sure. But but what has gone on in that office is is really sad because there are a lot of really good people that work in that office. And I can't imagine what they're going through right now, trying to go to work and do the difficult job of of prosecuting criminals i mean it's a tough enough job when morale is good in the office but but to have that kind of um attention just focused on you on a on a daily basis that's got to be a real grind so i do give a lot of credit to the to the many 
excellent attorneys and, and staff in that office who are showing up and, and doing that hard work while all this Pilakia is playing itself out in the in the judicial system. So it, it, it's sad. It's sad to see it. You know, you never you never it, it just it 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 puts Hawaii in a bad light. It puts law enforcement in Hawaii in a bad light. And, you know, the sooner we can get this this era put behind us, I think, the sooner we can start to to rebuild things. Well said. So in terms of in terms of rebuilding, rebuilding things, rebuilding our justice system, it goes I think a lot beyond uh, individual personalities and individual issues. For example, sure. we can look at you know the uh, this sort of failed attempt at bail reform that came up in the legislature. Uh, the the whole dilemma or the whole issue about you know building a new prison, the whole the aspect of uh, sending our inmates, particularly our native Hawaiian inmates, sending them to the mainland away from their families, where you know they lose pretty much any hope of successful rehabilitation. The status quo seems to be really entrenched toward a lot of the, you know, continuing the private prisons, the worst status, the worst elements of the status quo. Uh, yeah, how, there's, yeah, tell us about your vision for improving that. I think what it comes down to is there's just a tremendous level of inertia that exists in our in our state government and the way that, you know, the way the state government runs things. And I'm not, you know, that doesn't mean I'm throwing the Department of Public Safety under the bus here because they're just, they're so under-resourced in terms of the work that is put on them because they they have to take everyone that the judges send to them, regardless of what their resources are. So yes, our our jails and our prisons are dilapidated. They're, some of them are bordering on the inhumane. They're overcrowded. They're operating at, at capacities that far exceed their uh, original limits. And, you know, that part of the system is just totally broken. So the state needs to either, you know, fund DPS at a level that's going to allow them to adequately care for all the people that have been put into their custody, or we need to figure out a way to stop putting so many people into their custody. And that, I think, is is where we need to look, because we do incarcerate a higher percentage of our population in the United States than almost any other industrialized nation. And, you know... We have to look at do the do the people we are putting in jail, are we putting them there because we need to protect the community or are we putting them there to make ourselves feel good and feel tough and feel like we're, um, you know, punishing people? So, you know, there's there's people out there that absolutely need to be incarcerated. There are people that are dangerous. There are people that are violent. But, you know, people that have mental health problems. We need to get them mental health treatment. People that have drug problems that want to change their lives, that want to turn their lives around, we need to find a way for them to be able to do that. You know, in the criminal justice system, we've become the social workers of last resort because we have dismantled so many of our social safety nets. Sure. So we have people mm -hmm. we have people coming through our courtrooms that are engaging in criminal behavior because they came back from war and have PTSD and have all kinds of other problems that lead them to start uh, doing drugs and engaging in risky, risky behavior. We have people that have mental health problems that have gone untreated or undiagnosed or unexamined. We have people that, um, you know, commit crimes because uh, they're poor because they need to, or they develop a substance addiction because they grow up in poverty and they grow up in broken homes and they grow up seeing intergenerational violence. So they, they need to escape from that somehow. And drugs are the only way they can do that. We've got to look at, at, you know, all of these factors 
and and resist the temptation to say, oh, well, you know, this all is about bail reform. So we need to just we need to slap a Band-Aid on the situation and and that will fix everything. Now, not to say we don't need to do bail reform. We don't uh, need to reform our prisons. We absolutely do. But the problem is so much larger than a broken criminal justice system that that we really need all the stakeholders to come together and sit down and figure out a way to get this done because um, you know, the system is is bursting at the seams and it's you know it seems like it's approaching a breaking point and and the problem's not going to get better if we don't start working on it. Well, speaking of working on it, you are running for re-election to continue working on the problem uh, in 2020. Um, That's the plan. Yep. How can can I mean if people want to donate to your campaign, think hey, this guy sounds like a pretty smart gentleman, or if they just want to learn more. They just want to learn more. Uh, they can go to justincolor.org. We need to do a little maintenance on the site, so that's probably not the the best place to go. But if you follow me on Twitter at Justin Kohler, uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm not as active on Facebook. Um, that's just uh, that that platform is is not great these days. You might know. And um, so uh, at Justin Kohler, you can um, donate via PayPal, Kohler for Prosecutor at gmail.com. Uh, we welcome that. Five bucks goes a long way in a small community like this. Um, you know, we're going to try to do it uh, next time with you know less reliance on plastic yard signs and things of that nature, sure. and and more on interfacing directly with the community. So, um, so every every little bit helps. You know, we try to run our campaigns uh, on a shoestring and and not. Um, not make uh, money a big issue in the campaigns, but we do need to, you know, we do need to do advertising on the socials. We do need to do advertising uh, in the radio and in print media where, you know, different, uh, different voters get their information from. So, um, you know, every little bit helps. So uh, you said that, you know, you wanted to show people that, Hey, it looks like this is an absolutely crazy idea to run for office. You know, you're the, consummate underdog in a lot of ways uh, and you you talked about that a bit what would you say to somebody who's considering you know should i run how do i make that decision is it is now the right time well if you're going to run in 2020 you you'd better already be laying the groundwork now and and you probably should have started six months ago but the next best time to start is today so you know you you can do it you know if you go out in the community what voters here want uh, they want somebody who's not afraid to take a stand, not afraid to stand up and and be a leader, and somebody that is also you know respectful and humble. And you know what I'd suggest to anybody who's thinking about running for office is to do more listening than you do talking, mm. because voters want to know that you are hearing their concerns and not telling them what their concerns are. You know, you you are expected to be their their vessel for action and for leadership in whatever office you're running for. So if you're going to be able to do that job effectively, you've got to know what people care about. And so what that means, you know, my number one piece of advice to somebody who's, who's thinking about running is when you put yourself out there, do more listening than talking. I love That's it. great advice. So as somebody who's now kind of political, but not necessarily political, but still has good political takes, tell us your take on, uh, you know, the thing everybody's talking about for the last four years, which is the presidential election in 2020. 
Well, we've got to beat Donald Trump next year. There's no question about that. And, um, you know, 2016 election night was a very bittersweet night for me personally, because I I was standing there having just one reelection uh, for a second term over here on Kauai. And also at the same time, finding out that Donald Trump was going to be our next president. And Ooh, let, me tell you, let me tell you, that was a tough night. Sure. Uh, for, for a lot of folks. And you get drunk for a lot of reasons on that night. Yeah. There was there was a lot of uh, alcohol flowing that night. <laughs> and so but, you know, next morning when I got out there to, to do my Mahalo sign waving and, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it felt it felt as much like a funeral as it did a celebration. So it, that was that was a really challenging time. But, you know, we we you know, my office is nonpartisan, but I'm a Democrat. I'm unabashed about being a Democrat. And I'm unabashed about the fact that we need to take back the White House and the Senate in 2020. Um, you know, and we have to be very careful, I think, to avoid some of the pitfalls that we fell into in 2016. We've got to look at the things we did right in 2018 to help flip the 40, 41 seats in the House and give us some levers of control back in Washington. And we've got to just, you know, get our ducks in a row, get out there in 2020 and pick a good candidate and then push that candidate across the finish line. I mean, because we do not have a margin for error on this election. If Donald Trump gets four more years in the White House, we are going to really, I think, be looking at the the death of a lot of what makes our democracy special. Yeah, it's kind of maddening for me to have looked at 2018 and as a retrospective and, and seen that, you know, all of the media attention was on the left and it was all on the left because we had these progressive champions who are getting out there and pushing ideas that are radical actually might improve people's and lives as because just they what might focus group donors want exactly, to hear exactly yeah right, they might right. improve people's lives and then as soon as it was over and the establishment had sort of extracted the value of the labor from those and then here comes joe biden yeah it's like as soon as right. he's back it's like what lessons did we learn we learned that we should not be progressive because that's not what wealthy people want yeah. right yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately, there's nothing the media loves more than a Dems in disarray story. And there's nothing. And the reason they love that is because, you know, blue checkmark Twitter media personalities spend all their time on Twitter assessing the state of the Democratic Party from their perch on blue checkmark that's Twitter. That's all and they so, do. Yeah. And, and so they get and so they get the worst takes. You know, and, uh, you know, uh, living in a take based economy as we do in this era, we've got to we've got to make sure we overcome those bad takes by by pointing out that people voted for a lot of progressive Democrats in 2018 in, in progressive areas. But people in red states and in red districts, they voted for Democrats, too, because we ran good candidates that communicated with their constituents. Yeah. So. You know, for us to come out and say, all right, well, you know, let's let's throw Biden up there and, you know, he'll make us harken back to the Obama era when everything was great. Well, er you know, everything wasn't great when Obama was president. I, I think Barack Obama was a profoundly decent man who 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 um, who, who had a vision that uh, that unfortunately he wasn't able to execute on. Oh, but this time, this time, this time. But this Joe time, Biden this is time. sure that Mitch McConnell is going to come together. He's going to have that epiphany. Yeah. He's going to work with us. The older, whiter Obama is going to be able to get it done. And, With an older, you know, whiter McConnell. Yeah. 
Right. And with the older Whiter McConnell. And I think we've got to disabuse ourselves of that notion. I mean, it's just not going to work. And, you know, we've got great candidates out there that are just crushing it on policy. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, you know, she is she's a, a rock a one, star, a one woman policy machine. But, um, you know, the 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 media is going to say, oh, well, here's here's this school mom that wants to, you know, take away your uh, take away your cars. Oh, and... She's so shrill. <laughs> right. She's, and she's not right, very she's likable. Real... Joe right, Biden is not... so much more likable. Right. You want to have a beer with him. Ugh. But it's just, um, you know, we've got to we've got to get past that. I'm trying to figure out if there's been a candidate for president other than like Lincoln and Washington who is a better candidate than Elizabeth Warren. Like it's it to me it's truly startling that she's not getting more play. I mean, she's a person who has no ties to big money special interest groups. She has a policy platform a mile long that she can discern into like 10 second sound bites. She's got the pedigree, she's got all of the knowledge requisite to do the job. It's like I, yeah. I I can't think of somebody who I would say, oh, this person was a better fit to be president than Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I mean we've elected plenty of plenty of terrible presidents, and uh, you know Elizabeth Warren would not be a terrible president. I no. mean she she has a she has a grasp of how the government works. She has a grasp of what's broken about the government, and she has concrete, workable, feasible ideas as to how to fix those those you know those problems. So. I mean, I'm not here, you know, endorsing Elizabeth Warren or anything, but I, I, I would be gleeful to to see her become the president of the United States. I you're, mean, yeah, I, you're not I, endorsing I, her, but it could you could do a lot worse than Elizabeth Warren. You could do a lot worse, and we have done a lot worse. Yeah. And we're doing a lot. We are actively doing a lot worse. Right. We are actively doing the worst, and um, we can't afford to keep doing that. Hell, I'd take Bush one at this point. <sighs> Whoa, that's 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 over Trump. That's Bush That's won tough. over Trump. Bush burn won it, over burn Trump. Burn it all down. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Biden is basically Bush one, isn't he? Yeah. More. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the goalposts have have moved. I think, and and yeah. we are in that territory at this Roasted. point. Roasted. Yeah. Got y'all. Right. Well, I'm depressed, so I'm leaving. All right. Last question before we ask for your restaurant recommendations. Desert <laughs> Desert Island. You can only bring one movie, one album, and one book. What are you bringing? Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you've heard our recent wrinkle in this game, but if you don't name something in 10 seconds, your book is going to be the Bible, your movie will be The Passion of the Christ, and then your uh, album will be uh, a Carmen album. And if you don't know who Carmen is, C-A-R-M-A-N, Christian artist, just Google it, Satan Bites the Dust. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little and give you two books here, and one is because one is because I haven't finished it yet, and it's it's the book that uh, actually was on the shelf behind Senator Gravel when when we talked with him. It's called These Truths, and it's by Jill Lepore, and it's a fantastic history book about the foundation of the American Republic, and it's about 900 pages long, and I'm about 200 pages in, so I gotta finish that, sure. and I think a lot of time on a desert island would allow me to finally do that, and then the other one is probably. This is a dark horse, but it's going to be The Stand by Stephen King um, um, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's like a thousand pages long and I can finish reading it and then kind of just start reading it right away again and not even blink an eye. So those are my those are my two books. My album is I tried to be, start reading The Stand four times and I failed every time. You, you just it takes focus. Yeah. But, you know, oh, right I, now I'm trying to read Dune and I'm like four percent through on kindle the stand is way easier to read than dune you know right. that's just my humble opinion um 
my album is going to be X Induction Hour by the Fall because that's just my favorite album. Um, and my movie, huh, my movie would probably be Alphaville by Jean-Luc Godard or or Breathless. I thought Jean-Luc he was Godard. the captain of Star Trek, Star Trek, Starship Enterprise. <laughs> I didn't do it very uh, well. Jean-Luc Godard. Okay. Picard. <laughs> French New Wave from the 50, from 1959 and 1960. And not the Starship Enterprise. Not the Starship. Uh, Picard is not even my favorite Starship commander, I think. So, uh, you know, he's... <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we got today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, okay, and last question, of course, we asked this of all of our guests. Yep. We're on Kauai. Where should we eat? Okay, for breakfast, I'm going to have to tell you to go to um, – this is this is another dark horse. I'm going to say go to uh, the Kalapaki Beach Hut and get their breakfast sandwich there because it is an absolute delight. Um, for lunch, if you're going to go to lunch uh, in Lihui, I'm going to say go to the Greenery Cafe. Um, awesome blend of Filipino and soul food and, and plenty of vegetarian and vegan options. If you're going to go out to dinner, I got to say go to um, a two-way tie between Street Burger in Kapa'a and Avalon Astro Pub in Kapa'a. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate but equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. This is the story of one of those prosecutors, Justin Kohler. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, folks, if you would like to, we highly recommend following Justin on Twitter. He is at Justin Kohler. That's at J-U-S-T-I-N-K-O-L-L-A-R. He's got great political takes. He's got great takes on general uh, humanity, all sorts of good ideas. Uh, you can't do much better than following him. Uh, so get on over there and do it. Also, if you'd like to donate, uh, don't forget uh, justincohler.org. Uh, if you want to donate to his campaign for prosecutor, Justin, again, we just we thank you so much for making time to come on the show today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Let's come back and do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Aloha. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.